to need our normal schedule of going through First Samuel verse by verse, word by word. And with our theme of cancer survival, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 12 and what I've entitled, When It Rains in Our Lives. Attitude determines so much of our outcome. Ronald Reagan's favorite joke was this. A mom and dad had a twins, boy and a boy. And when they were about seven or eight, they started to realize that their twins had extreme personalities. One was an extreme optimist, and the other, well, the other was an extreme pessimist. And so they took them to a therapist, and the psychiatrist said, I think I have a way to help cure them of this problem. The one who took the, took the little boy who was a pessimist, and he took him into this room full of toys and brand new toys and said, these are all yours. You can do whatever you want with it. The pessimist little boy started to cry and cry, and the doctor said, why are you crying? Oh, I know that as soon as I start to play with it, all these toys, they're just going to get broken and be thrown away. It's just a waste of time. So the doctor took the optimist little boy who was so optimistic, and he took him to a room, and he opened up the room, and in this room there was nothing but horse manure. Filled to the, almost the, the height of the room, the little boy jumped in that room and started digging through the horse manure. And the doctor said, what are you doing? What are you doing? And the little boy, who was such an optimist, looked it up, up with, back at him with manure in his hands and says, with all this manure, there has to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> determines so much of our outcome. You see, even Longfellow, the great poet, wrote this. Into every life, some rain must fall. You see, you're going to have some issues. And when I say rain, I'm talking about struggles, trouble, problems. Either it be words like divorce or cancer or bankruptcy, depression. Every life has some rains. And if you're here and it has rained on you in your life, say amen. amen. If you haven't said anything, you're not listening. But the difference is this about when it rains. How will you respond when it rains? Can I just a little time out? I'm a Baptist preacher, so you know what I'm going to say. Everyone in here has self-determination, has your own bootstraps, has your own ability to get through things. But I suggest to you, why would you want to do something on your own when you can have help? When you can have help to get through some of the most difficult things in your life, and I'm going to tell you this, spoiler alert, that help is Jesus Christ. When it rains, let me tell you two things about rainfalls. Number one, rain falls because life has rain for everyone. Jesus will say in Matthew 5, 45, For he maketh the sun to rise on evil and on good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Listen, Sometimes this is true, and I'm going to talk about this, but sometimes not everything is a demonic attack on you. You go outside and you try and start your car, and it doesn't start. Satan is working against me. No, you bought a Toyota, and you got what you deserve. <laughs> <laughs> Buy an American car. No. Sometimes good things happen to bad people, Right? That explains how Ohio State can win a national championship. Sometimes good things happen to bad people. You know what? Sometimes bad things just happen to good people. Cancer was never part of God's original plan. It is the result of the sin curse of Adam's sin. There are things that are going to happen in your life, and you know what it's called? It's called life. 
Life sometimes just happens. And Jesus said that in Matthew 5. The second thing when it falls, though, when rain falls, it's because rain can have a purpose. In John 9, there's an amazing thing that takes place. Jesus and his disciples come across a, a blind man. And his disciples, with the thinking of the terminology that day, said, Whose sin? Did this man sin because he's been blind from birth, or did his parents sin? And Jesus responds back in John 9, verse 3, and said, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the work of God should be manifest. He said, Listen, it's not that this person did something to deserve this, or even his parents, by the way, parents, that verse that. Jesus doesn't rebuke that truth that you can curse your next generation. That should scare you. It's not that either one of them did anything wrong, but that this man has a problem in his life for one specific purpose, and it's to exalt me. Personally, and I'm going to mention this in the next couple times, but when I, when I was told cancer, I was scared. I always figured when I got news like that, it would be in a big fancy doctor's office. They would bring me in, and the doctor would be so sympathetic to be this old man that looked like Andy Griffith. And they would tell me, that's not how it happened. What annoys me the most about getting cancer is the story I have of explaining it. Because I was back there in the, 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 the janitor's closet stacking toilet paper on one knee, and I got a phone call, and the lady, and I said, hello, and I didn't recognize it. She says, this is Lee Sharon. I said, yes, she introduced her name said where she was from, and she said, I'm here to inform you that you have cancer. Oh. <laughs> this is not how I thought. I had one knee putting toilet paper in a closet. That's not the story I thought I'd ever tell people. But I can tell you this, that after I first was told that, I was scared. But you know what followed next? Anger. Anger. I thought, wait a second, God. Cancer. That doesn't even run in my family. I found out later talking to my mom had actually skin cancer. It does run in my family. You should tell your kids what you have. Because some things are genetic. I was upset because I thought, God, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do any of these things that they say can increase your chance of cancer. And it's skin cancer that was right here. And this part of my body has not seen sunlight in 20 years. I don't walk around without my shirt on. My mother taught me shame. And I thought, God, that's not fair that this should happen to me. But you know what? Having gone through it, I have a new perspective. I know what it's like to hear that horrible word. To start processing, what does my will look like? And what is my bucket list? And what does this have to happen? And how will Sandra raise these kids without me? But you know, I also learned what it's like. I think it's probably well over 100 times I've been in a hospital room or the emergency, the, the, the operating area. I've stayed with people and prayed with them and I've watched them go away and then I leave. I know, now know what it's like to go this way on the journey. It's given me a new perspective and I can see, to be honest with you, it's made me more compassionate. Sometimes we get to see the purpose for our thorn. If you're taking notes, I want to say this about rain as we start. I cannot control the rain, but I can control how I react. I've noticed this. Being somebody who hates weeds, and if I ever had a superhero power, it would be Captain Roundup. 
I love walking through this parking lot and spraying for weeds and everything else. But I've noticed this. I can spray for weeds and I can get it under control. But as soon as it rains, the next day, even there, we had some rain yesterday. There's some weeds out here that's driving me crazy that popped up. As soon as it rains, weeds will pop up. You see, many people get hit with rain, and instead of running for cover, the weeds that were buried, you understand the weeds were always there, right? The rain didn't bring the, the weeds, did it? The weeds have been lying in wait, hiding, waiting for the opportunity to come out. And when the rain hit, when the struggle came, the weeds popped up. Many people have issues in their life, and when the stress of life, when situations come to it, instead of running for cover, they run to drugs. They run to alcohol. I've seen men, and I determined that this would never be me, but I've seen men and I've seen pastors who have had the, the diagnosis of cancer in their 50s, and the next thing you know, they show up at the church with a bad, brand new fancy red car. And I've seen women in their mid-30s who feel that they've missed out on life, leave their families, leave their children, go off and say, I want to have fun. You see, the weeds were always there, but the rain brought out the weeds. I can't control the rain, but I can control how I react. And when it rains in my life, instead of letting the weeds come up, I'm going to run to Jesus, and I'm going to run to in 2 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul, I think I can fairly say, had more rain in his life than most people could ever imagine. And you know when the rain really started? After he came to Jesus. After he stopped killing Christians and became one. The rain didn't stop when he came to Jesus. No, the hurricane started once he came to know Christ as his personal Savior. After coming to Jesus, he's lost his position. He's lost his possessions. He even lost his family, probably his father, possibly a wife who had wanted nothing to do with him and left him. He has gone on long, dangerous trips. He has spent the night out on the skies and in the cold using a rock for a pillow. He has saw almost everything he had been taken away. He has been arrested. He has been beaten. He was left for dead, and I believe he was dead in Acts chapter 14. He was probably killed. He has healed scores of people. There are people lined up that he had healed. He had cast out demons. And yet, he could not heal himself. He could not remove the demon that was attacking him. Listen to Paul's brain. Look at here in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, meaning the revelation that you're reading is the word of God. God was inspiring me. Unless I would think too highly of myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. I went to God three times, and the naked and climate preachers, the people on TV, the word of faith would say, well, if you just say it in the right way, if you just have enough faith, God has to react. God must do what you say. And if you do it in the right way, you can be healthy, you can be rich, and you can have prosperity because that's what God intends. You know, that's really, somebody tells you that and then you end up with cancer, that's really depressing. That doesn't help you, does it? Because now you start thinking, I guess there's something wrong with me. I guess God must really, really hate me. 
But look what the Apostle Paul, outside of Jesus, the most important person in our word of God. The greatest Christian that probably ever walked on this planet. Watch what the Apostle Paul says. I would like to see Benny Hinn preach on this, Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Meyer, and a whole group of them. They skip this passage. Watch what Paul says. I besought the Lord Christ that it might depart from me. We'll see that the answer that God gives them is no. Three times Paul asked for this thorn, this issue in his life, and three times God will tell him, no. Now it's debated about what this thorn could be. Uh, some believe Paul had epilepsy and it could have been seizures. Uh, some believe it was an ear infection or an ear issue. There's others that believe it could be depression. And some of you might be thinking, how can a man of God, how can a pastor, how can an apostle, how can a preacher be depressed? Come find me Monday morning. I believe, though, honestly, there's a small group of people that believe it could have been his wife, but I don't think so. Because a wife is a gift of God. Someone tell my wife I said that. Anyway, I believe, though, actually, he had a problem called ophthalmologist. That his eye was infected and it began to puss up and it began to kind of be blipped and everything. And he had vision problems. As proof, look at the end of Galatians that Paul writes that. He'll say at the end of the book of Galatians, you see what big letters I wrote in my own hand. Most of Paul's letters he dictated and somebody else wrote them down for him. He wrote the book of Galatians, the end, on his own hand. And he says, notice the big letters. You know it is my own hand. And then in Acts chapter 13, there's a sorcerer bothering Paul. And the word of God says he set his eye on that sorcerer and freezes that sorcerer. He's unable to move. I think it's very important that he says he set his eye because a guy with a big, fussy, swollen eye, when he stares at you, that gets your attention, doesn't it? But whatever the thorn is, when we get to heaven, we can ask him. But it is interesting, the word thorn, in the Greek language, it's the word for steak. Now, maybe you're thinking steak that we grill up, right? That's not the type of steak. It's the type of steak you would put down with a tent. And more specifically, the word Paul uses isn't just a, take, a steak for a tent. It's the steak a torturer would use to torture a victim. Paul was being tortured by this issue. And you would think, well, God loves him. So Paul should never have a problem. Paul is doing right. There's no unconfessed sin in Paul's life. He should never have this problem. He's being tortured. God will obviously step in and remove this problem. And yet, God would not remove it. Can I just give you two observations as you're taking notes? Just my observations on this. First of all, Christians are never promised a life without blame. This passage gets completely ignored by the David and in fact, I, I watched Frederick Price one time talk about that. He said this, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was wrong. Paul didn't know what he was talking about. And Paul, even though he was inspired by God, was, was on the job training. Paul didn't know what he was talking about here. And Paul will later, you know what, 2 Corinthians is one of the later books that Paul will ever write. It's near the end of his life. If he hadn't figured it out by now, he never would have figured it out. What, what Mr. Price is saying is that there's an error in the Word of God. No, I would rather suggest you this. There's an error in Mr. Price's theology. The false preacher says you shouldn't be sick. We'll explain this to Paul. And here's the second thing. And previously I said not every attack is demonic, but here for Paul, Christians who minister are subjected to demonic attack. Look at that word again back there in verse 8. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. 
That word messenger is another word for angel. If you've been in church and if you know your Bible, you know that demons are fallen angels. When Satan was cast out of heaven, he took a third of the stars, Revelation says. He took a third of the angels with him. They have now been sealed. They can't go back. The, the angels that stayed with God are sealed. The angels that went with Satan are sealed, and they are now demons. What were they attempting to do to Paul? They were attempting to bring him poverty. Well, that's not what it says. They were attempting to just make him depressed. That's not what it says. What were they attempting to do? They were attempting to stop Paul from ministering. One time I met a lady. I'm more... Julie, as I've gotten older, I've gotten more, more mature. But when I was a young preacher, I had a lady, and she was always saying, demons are attacking me, Satan's attacking me. And I just kind of shot back one time. I said, no, they're not. And she says, well, how do you know this isn't demons? I said, I know it's not demons because you don't do anything for God for him to attack you. <laughs> I would never say that now. And I might. But, <laughs> no, I would never. but you know what? There's truth in that. Demons only attack people who are serving God. You say, well, well Satan hates me. Can I, can I just say that to you? Satan doesn't hate you. That might surprise you. Satan doesn't. The Bible never says Satan hates you. Satan hates God. And the best way to get at God who you can attack is to get you. And you think, well, Satan wants me to go to hell. Satan has never been to hell. Satan will never be to hell. Satan's final destination is the lake of fire where hell will be thrown into. You say, where is Satan now? And I don't Satan doesn't hate you, he hates God. And Satan doesn't care if you get saved. He's not planning on raising an army of humans to attack God. His army's going to be demonic forces. We wrestle not with principalities, we wrestle against principalities, not against flesh and blood. You're not doing anything for Jesus? Satan doesn't matter. He doesn't care what you, who you are. There was a group of, of, uh, of quote-unquote little exorcists in Acts. And they're trying to cast out demons Say, the demon says, we know Paul and we know Jesus. We've never heard of you. Can I just ask you this? How many demons know your name? Well, well Pastor Steve, I, I, that, that kind of scares me. Yeah, I understand. When you start to serve God, it will rain harder on you than wicked gates. You need to understand that. Sometimes we don't always explain that when someone accepts Christ. You say, when I get saved, all of my victories, the battle is over. No, the battle just started. But here's what's great about Jesus. No matter how hard it rains, no matter what Satan throws at me, I have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I have the God of creation, the maker of this universe, the one who conquered the grave, the one who will come back. He is on my side fighting for me. I might have, before I got saved, had very little rain and been done nothing. When I got saved, and did nothing for Jesus, no rain. And coming over on this side, now it feels like there's a hurricane, but that's okay because I have the covering of the cross of Jesus. I have been washed in the blood. I have Jesus to fight for me now. He is my advocate, the Bible says. I can't tell you all the issues in your life are demonic, but I can tell you this. If you serve Jesus, you'll get pushed back. Look, I, we could we could do a little Q and A. We could ask questions and, and have.
have a little sharing, and I'm sure somebody in here could talk about how, you know, I made the decision to tithe regularly, to give, and then I lost my job. I made the decision to, to pick somebody up and to do something and be part of this ministry and bring this person to church, and then my car broke down. Made the decision, me and my wife, to serve Jesus, and then we started having marital problems. I can't tell you that when you serve Jesus and serve God, all your problems will be solved. I can tell you this. I'd rather be homeless with Jesus than live in a mansion without him. I'd rather struggle financially with Jesus than to be wealthy without him. I'd rather have marriage issues with Jesus than have a perfect marriage that doesn't know Jesus. I'd rather have kids that frustrate me. Boy, do they. I'd rather have kids that frustrate me that are learning about Jesus than have perfect kids who crack hell wide open and never know him. Amen? Amen. So our goal is not to cast out demons. Our goal is to draw near to God in his name. So look at verse 9. And he said unto me, my grace, this is God speaking to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. If you ever underline something in your Bible, this is the place to underline. My grace is sufficient for you. Cancer, marriage, whatever your issue, whatever the rain is, whatever the thorn in your flesh is, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. James 4 8, if you like to put cross references in your Bible, says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Paul could have picked up and walked away and turned his back on God and said, This is too much. This is too much that you've allowed this to happen. This isn't fair. I'm serving you. I'm doing things. And now it is raining. It is thundering. It is coming down on me. And even my own flesh, he could have walked away from God. But instead, he used his thorn, his issue, his rain to draw him closer to God. Could it possibly be that God brings rain into your life, thorns in the flesh, not because he hates you, but because he simply misses you? Honestly? I don't know if I've ever prayed as hard as I did that week when I first got that news. My prayer life really changed a little differently, didn't it? Rain isn't there to, because God hates you. Rain sometimes has a purpose of God. But no matter what it is, God is always there for us. In fact, watch what Paul will do. He not only gives God the glory in his story, in his sickness, he not only gives God glory for his marriage problems, his cancer, his finances, for everything wrong. He not only does that, but Paul will praise God because of it. We're only supposed to praise God because of all the good things and the great things in our life. Paul praises him for the thorn. Look at verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Therefore, I praise God because of, because of cancer. In reproaches. In necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. But look at this as we wrap this up. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Because when I am weak and I realize I can do nothing, it draws me closer to God. Look at the words Paul will use to describe his thorn. He uses words like grace. He uses words like gladly. He uses words like glory. He uses words like pleasure. These are the words of someone who has seen the worst this world has to offer, and yet, because of Jesus, is still standing. Still standing. 
Can I suggest to you there's two things that should always keep you moving? Number one is Jesus, and number two is sheer stubbornness not to give in. There's nothing wrong with sheer stubbornness if you use stubbornness the right way. When Sandra and I got married, there were a couple people that said, oh, it'll never last. You know what? We celebrated 26 years last week. And as Sandra pointed out, most of the time it was just to spite some people. want authority. 
why so many people are drawn to the idea that God has to work for them and behave and that our words can change physical matter. We want authority. Listen, don't confuse God's authority with our authority. Don't believe that God has to act the way we want him to act. Let me throw this at you. One of my favorite words. It reigns with God's providence. The providence is a theological word. It's simply, many definitions it has. It's God moving behind the scenes. It's God doing what he wants. Here's my definition of providence. It's very simple. God's got this. God's got it. He allowed this to come into our life. He allowed this to happen. He did this under his authority. God must have a reason. I may not know the reason, but providence simply means God's got this. He can tell cancer to leave anytime he wants. But sometimes he doesn't do it. But either way, God's got this. Number two, Paul saw God's purpose. He saw God's purpose. Verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations. You know, there's things I don't fully understand about God. There's things even in the Word of God I, I don't fully comprehend all of it. I don't fully get the Trinity, to be honest with you. Anybody who says they can explain the Trinity perfectly with you is lying. The Trinity is unexplainable in our human thinking. How God can be three yet in one and not be Three separate but three equal and personalities and everything else. I could give you examples of, a, of water, it's a solid, it's a liquid, it's a gas, but that doesn't really explain God. An egg has a shell, has a yolk, it has that white stuff, I don't even know what that is, but that really tastes bad. But anyways, it, it, that doesn't really explain God. Myself, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a brother, I'm a son, I'm a father, I'm a grandson, I'm your pastor, I'm all these different things and I'm yet the same person that still does not explain God and the Trinity. But I've come to this conclusion. I don't have to understand everything about God. I just simply know, need to understand that God loves me and he has a purpose for everything that happens. I may not know that purpose this side of heaven. But you know what that is? That's faith. Someone you deeply love and you care about passes away. You ask you, how is that God's purpose? I don't know. I can't explain it. But you know what I do? Jesus is stubbornness. I keep walking by faith because I have to believe that God has a purpose for everything, even if I never see it on earth. The rain in my life may not have a purpose for me, but God has my purpose. Number three, Paul saw God as he was. Suicide the last few years has it, it's drifted into the top ten causes of death for all Americans. And it's still, it's been this way for years, but suicide is still the number two death for students. For people under the age of 25, it's the number two death. Number one is alcohol. It's still the number two death. If you're struggling with thoughts and issues like that, <coughs> My numbers in the newsletter at the top. The church number up at somebody. Don't bear that alone. Talk to somebody. But if you're here and you're struggling, and by the way, who isn't struggling right 
you're here in the struggle. I want to tell you this. The struggle is worth the reward. I've got five girls. <laughs> One boy. There's a lot of estrogen in my home. So when I see them something with a little girl, it catches my heart to this day. There's a video that went viral. I want to show you about the struggle is worth the reward. Um, this, the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup and stuff. And this one little girl in one of the playoff games, one of the players was trying to give her a puck. And the boy took it, tried to give her another puck, and another boy got it for five. This little 50-second clip shows it, but I just want you to see the facial expressions of this little girl after she finally gets her reward from the judge. Play this little clip. This is sound on. Thorn is, no matter what happens, say, Pastor, how can I do it? That 